This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. From the dark recesses of the proverbial Dawn Forge pouch, this is episode 277 of The Shattered Soulstone. Updates. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at bit.ly slash soulstonebooks2020. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPod, tablet, or phone. It is September 30, 2020, very early in the morning this Wednesday, and this is Jen. So a whole bunch of stuff appeared after the previous episode, and it's all the exciting stuff we've been waiting for for quite some time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into my weekend gaming, which isn't terribly long this time, and then go into all this good stuff that we've been waiting on, plus a little bit more. Okay, so where I left off with Diablo 3 was I hit level 70 last uh, last time I played, and I got two Paragon points. Ooh, special. I really need to spend more time in Diablo 3. That's where I started, and so in doing that I got two pieces of the freebie set. I did mention this last time, but I didn't go into any details about it. So for those that care, I'm playing a hardcore barbarian, and the freebie set this time around for season 21 is Might of the Earth for Barbarians. And so I've got the Eyes of the Earth helm and the Pull of the Earth gloves. Two pieces of that set gives the barbarian a few little special things. Reduce the cooldown of Earthquake, Avalanche, Leap, and Ground Stomp by one second for every 30 Fury you spend with an attack. That's just for having two pieces of that. So the first thing I did after getting those two pieces of gear was to go change out my skills so that I was in fact using Earthquake, Avalanche, Leap, and Ground Stomp just to see if it would make things work a little better. My Barbarian is still wearing four pieces of the Demon Heart set. I think it's a five-piece set. But I'm wearing four of them. Might be a six-piece, but in any case, I'm still wearing four of them because I haven't yet had the opportunity to replace them with more of the Might of the Earth set. So what you get for four pieces of the Demon Heart set is plus 999 Fire Thorns damage, 1.1% chance to fear on hit, a plus 3% damage to demons, chance to reflect projectiles when you are hit by enemies. So the skills that I did overall, I don't usually go through this detail of a build. It's not really that exciting a build or one that people haven't heard of before. It's probably pretty standard, but what I did 
in case you're wondering what the skills, in case you're new to playing a Barbarian and maybe want to give this a try. I'm not sure if it's the best choice, but it's working for me. So I've got Cleave with the Gathering Storm Rune. Enemies are cleaved and chilled and take increased damage. Ground Stomp, Foot of the Mountain Rune, increases Fury Generation of Ground Stomp because I really don't want to run out of Fury while I'm like running through a rift or something. Leap, Death from Above Rune, Stun Enemies at Point of Impact. Earthquake, Molten Fury Rune, Increase Earthquake's Damage, Avalanche, Tectonic Rift, Store up to three charges of Avalanche, Wrath of the Berserker, Thrive on Chaos Rune, While Active, Gain Fury per life spent. So I'm gaining Fury from the Ground Stomp Rune and from the Wrath of the Berserker Rune, and getting extra charges on Avalanche, and my hope was this was going to work out for me. Now at this point I'd already completed chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the season journey and I had three things left to do to get chapter 3 done. Of course I was anxious to get going and try to at least get that much farther in the season journey. So the one I decided to pick was called Master, very simple title, for an objective that requires you to complete a Nephilim Rift on Master difficulty. Now I've been playing on expert difficulty up to this point. I did give master difficulty a try. It did not go well. My barbarian survived because I pulled him out of there before he could die. So I wasn't too sure how this was going to go. I know I had better armor. I know I was more thoughtful about what kind of skills and runes I was using. I knew that the two-piece set plus the four-piece other set together might be powerful. So I gave it a try. The first thing I did was move the difficulty up from Expert to Master because that's what you need to do in order to have this particular objective count with the Season Journey. And I did an Ephilim Rift on Master difficulty. And I was really nervous about it. I had no idea if this would work. I hadn't really tested it out much on anything. I'd played with the full Demon's Heart set, but I hadn't played with most of a demon heart set and two pieces of the uh, freebie set. So this was kind of scary <laughs> overall. So I went in and it doesn't matter how long it takes to do this objective. Obviously you'd like it to go as fast as possible, but if you're struggling like me, you can take half an hour to get through the Nephilim Rift and it'll still count for the season journey, so you don't have to be like a speed demon through this if your gear isn't ready yet or your character isn't ready yet for whatever reason, or if you're just not ready yet personally to take that chance on a hardcore character. So the first thing I learned is thanks to the uh, Demon's Heart set, my barbarian was slaying demons with no problem at all really quickly, and there were a lot of things that were literally marked demon, you know, as, as the uh, monster type in the rift, so that went good. The problem was I wasn't doing as well with things that weren't demons like cultists and all these other things that can pop up in there. Those little flying bugs, for example, all of them. The swarms, the bees that shoot smaller bees at you and you know all that other stuff. Um, the big moths, you know, those were harder to kill because they weren't demons. So that was a little weird. You'd think a demon would be harder to fight than, you know, a flying bug. But no, not in this case, not at all. And so I got through it. I think I got through the first level. Can't remember if I went to the second level or not. I, 
think so. I don't quite remember. But in any case, it took a really long time to just chip away at all the monsters. The problem wasn't the problem I had last time, where the whole entire first level of a rift had just one pack of blues and one yellow with a bunch of minions. I had plenty of those bigger monsters to fight. But they had more Apexes, of course, because now I was up in Master difficulty, and so I found an, I found myself kind of kiting around the arcane and trying to use Leap to get out of the ice. Sometimes I was successful, sometimes I wasn't. I think what saved me most of the time was my Templar that can heal. <laughs> it just it took a while. It was stressful. They had a lot of those. Um, there was a lot of those mallet lords in there, and I hate them because. When they hit you, you get knocked back away from the enemy, and you have to, like, run back, and then by then they're ready to hit you again and send you flying across the room into whatever. And I don't like those. And I thought, alright, I'll just get through it. I will fight these things. I will kite them around as much as I need so that I can pick up health globes and things like that. And got real close to getting the Rift boss to launch. And it was Perendi which is a Mallet Lord. Not only is Perendi a Mallet Lord, but he also spawns or drops monsters out of the sky that are called Stonecutter Demons. Now those were easy to kill because I had the benefit of the Demon Heart set. So those are really easy to kill. I was going through those rather quickly, but I was having a lot of trouble with Perendi itself. I eventually got it though. I eventually managed to kill him, got that all done, it was intense, I was really tired when I was done, and I decided to stop. I did record this, because I have been recording my gameplay when my software works well enough to let me, and that one survived. I haven't posted it yet at the time I am recording this video, I'm a little bit behind on posting videos uh, up like a podcast, and I'm also way behind on putting things on my YouTube page. For the most part, I'm focusing on just putting Diablo stuff there, but there's some other random things as well. In any case, they're all in um, playlists, so you can just see Season 21 if that's all you care about. So that put me, by the end of it, I had eight Paragon points. A whole eight Paragon points, I know. Really impressive. <laughs> I mean, I'm just getting started, and I know everybody's... Not everybody, but a lot of people have been done with Season 21 for quite some time, and here I am just chipping away at it whenever I have time and energy to do so. But I'm having fun, and I think that's really what matters with that kind of thing. So I'm hoping to get back in there maybe after I record the show and get all the stuff behind it done to see if I can fi at least finish Chapter 3 by... I've got two things left. One of them is to kill the Siegebreaker, and the other one is to kill Aranye. I think maybe I can do it, but tune in next time to see how I did. So that's my week in gaming, and I didn't need it to be long because there's so much more to talk about this week than one might have expected. Of course, as soon as I end the show, all the interesting stuff comes out for the next show, so it was kind of... Um, I know the previous show came up a little bit late, or was released a little bit late, and I know it's up now, so that's good. This one hopefully will go in a timely manner and uh, we'll be all good. So I'm going to start with the PTR. And I remember Shazam saying for a while when he was hosting the show about waiting for the PTR to come up, waiting for, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's here now. Um, you know, it took them a while, but they're here. So the PTR, or Public Test Realm, for those that are unaware or new to this game, is going to begin on October 1st which is um, tomorrow from uh, when I'm recording this. 
and there's uh, some patch notes to read. Links should be in the Shattered Soulstone blog connected to this episode so you can find it and go into more details than I'm going to on this show because I don't want to be here for an hour, you know, just reading everything off to you. Y'all can read. It'll be okay. So here's some of the main points with that. It's going to be done in two phases. And these are considered preliminary patch notes. So this isn't everything that the PTR is going to have. This was designed to just give players some things to think about so you can start theory crafting how to make the most of the brand new season content. Phase 1 starts October 1st. Not really sure what time. Um, I'm not sure that's in there, but October 1st. So you won't have to wait too long for that. You may already be playing it by the time you hear this episode. Possibly. And phase one, they're going to introduce legendary and set item changes. There's a phase two that will start October 8th, and they're going to add the seasonal theme content in there. So that's what the two-week PTR is going to be about. So here's some of the stuff you need to know. Uh, the phase one content will persist throughout the entirety of the PTR, so the legendaries and set item changes that they made is going to carry over into when they're working on the seasonal theme content, letting players check it out and see how that goes and, and all this kind of stuff. You can get, there's um, a special PTR vendor, I've only done the PTR a few times, but there is a PTR vendor named Jank Meme, D-J-A-N-K-M-I, uh, apostrophe E-M, looks like a giant uh, Khazra, something like that. And you can exchange blood shards to get a class-specific bag of the legendary items that they want you to test. So you don't have to worry about going to find them. It'll just be right there if you get enough blood shards. So that's a really easy way to start testing those items if you're interested. With class changes, they're saying to ensure the most significant class changes receive an ample amount of attention, they would love for you to focus testing and feedback on the wizard uh, changes around the etched sigils and hydras, the crusader's steed charge build, and the witch doctor's crazy chicken build. They want you to focus on those. None of those are a barbarian, so if I go in and do the PTR, which I'm considering at least trying for a little while, I'm going to be looking at three classes that I don't play a lot of. I've played a Crusader quite a bit, so maybe I'll give that one a shot. Okay, so they've got some testing tips that they'd like you to know about. It's only a two-week period, so you really need to, as they say in this blog post, hit the ground running on whatever you're going to do. And they are saying, if you're primarily a wizard player, consider the changes that will impact the wizard. So if, if you are primarily a player that plays the wizard, or if you primarily play the crusader, or you primarily play the witch doctor, this is for you. They really want people like you to go in and look at that specific class and how these set pieces impact it. If you play all of them, I guess you get to pick. Maybe just focus on one because you only get two weeks of this. And they want you to stock up on items like puzzle rings and bovine bardiches. The puzzle rings, if you put them in the cube, you get a portal to the realm of greed, the full of treasure goblins and gold and all sorts of stuff. The bovine bardiche, you equip it and you get spectral cows <laughs> coming with you, running around on two feet and like poking things with staves and things like that. So it just helps you as you play. So that's something to do. It also is supposed to help your character farm. 
they want you to break things. Now, that doesn't mean just like all the pots in certain areas of the game. They want you to go and check things out and see what works and what is broken and then let them know so that they can patch it and make things work better by the time the next season launches. And if there's feedback, they want to know more about your experience. They want to know your experience in the game. They're not really interested in having you give feedback like, I think you should do this instead with this thing. They want to know, when I did this, it was like that, and I think this about it. This sort of thing. They want to know how the changes make you feel. Was there something off? Did it seem insufficient? They want those kinds of suggestions, and I think it's good that they're pointing that out, because that way they can get the feedback they need in order to make the next season that much better for everybody to play. They've got this little blurb here for as far as season 22, it looks like, right? This one's 21, so the next one's 22. And they've got a couple descriptors in here, but one of the things they're saying is the shadows, they are moving, and they seem animated. It is though they have a will of their own. Whatever this trickery is, perhaps you can use it to your advantage. Let's see what the demons say when you fight side by side with your own shadow. And then it says shadows of the past, activating a shrine slash pylon will spawn in a shadow clone of your class. This clone will randomly have one out of three predetermined builds. This clone's power will scale with your character and will last for one minute or if your character dies. That's what it's worded, a minute or if your character dies. So if you spawn this shadow clone and your character dies, before a minute is up, you lose the Shadow Clone. I think that's the idea. See below for Shadow Clone variations that can spawn when activating. And they have a whole list here of every class and the two types of Shadow Clones that can be produced when you activate a Shrine or a Pylon. I'm not going to read every single thing off from this because there's a lot of them and they're detailed. So I'm just going to read the Barbarian one because that's what I know best and you can check out the rest. So there's um, a build variation one they're calling it and it says Seismic Slam, Shattered Ground, Ground Stomp, Jarring Slam, Avalanche, Volcano, Earthquake, Molten Fury, Wrath of the Berserker, Insanity, and Ancient Spear, Boulder Toss. Now the build variation two is going to be uh, Battle Rage, Marauder's Rage, Threatening Shout, Falter, Wrath of the Berserker Insanity, as opposed to uh, Wrath, well that's the same one, Wrath of Berker, Berserker Insanity carrying over. Sprint, Run Like the Wind, Whirlwind, No Rune, and Rend Lacerate. The third variation is Overpower, Killing Spree, Threatening Shout, Falter, Furious Charge, Battering Ram, Wrath of the Berserker Insanity, Bash, Pulverize, and Hammer of the Ancients, Rolling Thunder. So I guess it comes down to, it looks like you're going to get Wrath of the Berserker something in all three of these builds. And I'm guessing that's kind of what they want you to use, maybe... I don't know if this is like, use this in the PTR and see how it goes, or if this is something... It's... that's probably part of it, but I'm not sure that all of these details will carry over exactly as they have them listed into Season 2. I think it's going to depend largely upon the kind of feedback they get and how many people they get playing the PTR so they can tell them what goes on. Now the rewards, it says two unique new rewards a portrait frame and a pet will be granted to players who complete the season 22 guardian journey so that would be all the way through to guardian not just the chapters one through four season 21 if you get through chapter four you get a pet and you get a portrait frame 
I'm trying to get that because I missed those the first time around. I don't think they're new, but anyway, there's going to be new two unique rewards for if you get all the way through Guardian in the upcoming Season 22. And then Kanai's Cube. This is kind of interesting. Additionally, the Kanai's Cube will have a fourth slot this season, meaning Season 22. The fourth slot will have the choices of the first three slots, but will not stack with any of them. The intent is to provide players with creative flexibility to their character builds. So that's kind of interesting. You get four slots instead of three. I don't know from this if it's going to be like right now it's one weapon, one piece of armor, and one ring or amulet. I don't know if those three slots are going to be the same and then you get to pick another one, like another weapon or another piece of jewelry or whatever you want to do. And I guess if like the first three things you put in have some special power, you can't really manipulate it to put the fourth thing in to have it stack with those powers. I think you need to aim for like variety or something. That's my impression of this. There's uh, some item changes going on in here, and oh boy, there's a lot of those. So <laughs> let me just take a look at that really quick for you. Um, Hadrix Gifts now grants all class sets, and they have a new rotation schedule they're going to do. For the upcoming season, depending on what class you choose, Hadrix Gifts will reward you with... These are the names of the sets that are coming up. Horde of the Ninety Savages. Aegis of Valor, Gears of Dreadlands, Patterns of Justice, Masquerade of the Burning Carnival, Mudungo's Regalia, or Typhon's Veil. Stone Gauntlets are now going to drop for all the classes, no matter which one you're playing. Paragon Bonus Gold Find has been changed to Gold Pickup Radius at 0.1 per point. And there's so many like item changes in here that I don't even know where to begin with all of that. There's a new item coming in, Gelmendor's Marrow Guards. Bone Spear cast from Simulcrums deal 400 to 500% increased damage. That one's specifically a new item. The rest of them, I think, are items that are in the game somewhere, but they've been buffed somewhere in this, and I haven't looked at all of them. Some of them, I'm seeing a lot that kind of looks like Witch Doctor stuff, so maybe if you're into Witch Doctors, this might be the season for that. Uh, coming up, season 22, and if so, then you might want to play that one through the PTR to see how it goes. That's really neat. I'm not sure I see anything in here that's specific to other... other classes? I'm not sure. I don't know if all these things memorized in my head. There might be some wizard stuff in here, but I'm not sure. So you can check the show notes and, and find out more about that. If you don't know how to do a PTR, that particular blog post from Blizzard has details about how you can make this work. You uh, need to download and install the Blizzard Battle.net desktop app if you haven't already done so. It is my understanding that you cannot do the PTR through a console. I think you have to do it on the PC or Mac. I'm on a Mac. It I've been in a PTR. It works just fine that way too. Um, and there's little you know, details to talk you through it. There's details to tell you how to do a PTR character copy. So you can just, you know, carry over your character that you're playing in Season 21. If you like that character, bring that one into the PTR and mess around with the stuff that they've added and see how it goes. And then give them feedback, because that's what the point is of the PTR, is to find out so that they can find out, you know, what's working, what's broken, where's the weird bugs that we missed, what do you think of these items, what was your experience like with 
fighting with the shadow clone or whatever else, you know, the new stuff that changes. What was it like to have a fourth slot in the Kanai's cube and how did you use it and why, you know, that kind of stuff. Give them that and that'll help them make everything that much better. So that's basically it with the PTR notes. And again, it's going to start October 1st and the second week of it is going to be October 8th. And sometime after that, the new season will start, but it doesn't say exactly what day on these notes. We'll get that, I'm sure, eventually. And then we have finally released Diablo 4 quarterly update September 2020. There's a lot of stuff in here, as you might expect, and it's pretty exciting. It's There's a intro to this written by Luis Barriga, game director for Diablo 4. They're very excited about what they've got, and so they're going to share some progress. Also, lead systems designer David Kim will talk about new skills and talent systems somewhere in here, and it starts with those. One of the things they're looking at is the skills and talents, and this comes from feedback. Some players have let them know that the fantasy of ancestral slash demonic slash angelic power isn't cool enough in the current version of the pitch and they've taken note of that. They also uh, noticed a problem that was ident they identified was the ratio to eff of effort to reward. So specifically it says, for example, in order to gain specific minor bonuses, players would most likely have to carry around several extra pieces of gear, each with different amounts of ancestral slash demonic slash angelic power on them. You would then need to constantly calculate each of the power levels of those items and compare their overall with their overall power he says it felt like an excessive amount of bookkeeping for the player. But they did like one thing about the system, and that was the gameplay of managing stats in meaningful ways to hit certain bonus thresholds So then, that then make your items better suited for the playstyle you're going for. So if you want to go for ancestral or demonic or angelic, you could like pick one and kind of make your build that way is my understanding of what they're saying. They're going to need some more time to work on iteration and rework some stuff as you might expect and that is supposed to come up in the next quarterly blog so that's something to look forward to. The legendary items they're changing some things they say it's big changes and there are two reasons for the big changes. They agree with the feedback the players have given them about the character's power currently too dependent on items like they just said you'd have to carry all this stuff around and things like that. They plan to put more of the player's power back into the character to make build choices more impactful rather than have the majority of player power coming from the items they have equipped. So they want to strike a balance with that so you're not constantly having to carry all this stuff and figure out which, more is, which is more important and you know, crunch all the numbers and, and things like that. The other thi thing that they have in this section of the quarterly update they said they also had very mixed team feedback regarding core itemization. They're currently looking at how to differentiate various item qualities. For example, should magic quality items have higher affix stats than rare items? And again, that's going to be more given to us in the next quarterly update with some more details. There's a new skill system and this one is it's got a picture with it and it's really cool. It specifically says that this drawing here is a pre-alpha in-development content. It is not final. Literally looks like a tree. It's got like a very wizened looking tree with some skulls sitting around it. And you can see 
all of the branches branching off and the roots underneath it. The roots are glowing red. It's a very like Diablo kind of aesthetic going on here. Now this one is the Sorceress skill tree. And it's got, you know, branches and skill upgrades and roots that contain powerful passive effects in there. And it's very detailed. It's extremely detailed, but it's visual. So I guess it kind of shows you, my guess is it'll show you like, you know, click this one and you can unlock this and that and the other, I hope. But what they're going to do is they've, uh, they've been reading through a lot of the comments from the community and they agree that the talent system needs more depth. They think the skill system progression felt too simple and created issues where the player would have no meaningful reason to spend their skill points. So they made a new skill system, which is a tree. And it has separate sections for skills and passives in this freshly painted, as they call it, skill tree. It looks cool on its own. So even if they don't use it exactly this way, it's pretty darn neat to look at. And they nailed the aesthetic of this for Diablo and all of the Diablo games easily. It's it's cool. It's really cool to look at. So the top part of the tree is where you'll spend skill points that you earn by leveling up. You unlock brand new skills, unlock additional functionality for those skills, unlock passive points, and then you can spend the, the passive points on like the roots of the tree, the parts going down and into the ground that have a passive section. So you get to kind of pick and choose to some degree about what you want to build from or build on or get next sort of thing. And there's, there's more pictures in the blog post telling you what some of these little boxes are and, and what it does and, and how many skill points and all this kind of stuff. But it's specifically the Sorcerer. They did not have one made for any of the other classes. But this at least is a good idea. And every single piece of art says pre-alpha in development content, not final. So don't take what you see from this particular quarterly update and try planning out your character for D4 because this stuff could change. It looks like it's new. They probably are going to have to work on it and iterate it a bit more and get some feedback, maybe some kind of PTR sometime in the future or beta or something. But at the moment, it's cool. It's showing you the direction they're going, but you can't, you know, don't use this as a template for your build if you're playing a, a sorcerer. Talks a little bit more about the difference between like the more active system and the passive system. You get to decide where the big power increases are going to go and what kind of playstyle choice you want to do. The passive part is more general upgrades to your character. They're not specific to particular skills. So you get kind of a mix and from this I'm getting that this is going to make it possible for everybody's character in Diablo 4 to be unique and different. You're going to have different armor that you found. You're going to have different choices that you may have made on your skill tree than what somebody else playing the same class made on theirs. And it sounds like the ancient slash angelic slash demonic, I think that's what they said earlier, things, you're not going to have to carry around as much stuff, so it won't be everybody needs this particular item because it has the best angelic on it or something like that. It won't like, this is the best. Instead, it's going to be more geared towards this is the best for you, the player, based on what kind of skills you selected and what kind of passive you selected. And if you combine that with the character designs, I think it's going to make things look a lot less cookie cutter than the Diablo 3 characters do or the player characters do. So that'll be fun. But again, this is still in the works. This is not set in stone or anything like that. 
There's also a more description of the sorceress enchantment system. Let you swap between things and I don't really play a sorcerer or a wizard very much, so I don't know exactly how that's going to work. The main goal, as it says in the notes here, is for the Diablo 4 team to have very unique class-specific mechanics in D4. It says, We have this goal because Diablo is the kind of game where many players try out different builds or classes, especially during seasonal play. We believe that unique class mechanics with very different strengths and playstyles compared to other classes will make exploring the different classes and playing the game much more fun. And it's got some details on how you do this with the sorceress. And it's all in there. It's kind of neat. There's a couple of animations with some spells where you've got like this giant lightning meteor coming down and killing things and this kind of stuff. It's a meteor skill and you've got a sorceress fighting um, might be Khazra-like things, I'm not sure. And there's also going to be an endgame progression system. Because of course there has to be an endgame. It's not just going to keep going forever. It does sound though like D4 would be something you could keep playing for a long time because you're going to want to try some of those other builds out or try some of the other classes out, this kind of stuff. Now there's not a lot of details about this in this particular quarterly update, but they are saying that they're working on their end game character progression system. It's going to take some more time. It's not going to be in the next update blog. The other stuff might be, probably is, it seems like they intended to be there, but this part, the end game progression, that's not going to be in there yet. So we're going to have to wait on that too. And that's okay. I'd rather they take their time than rush it all together and, you know, have things not work as well as we'd like. This gives them time to make sure everything's going and working and we're all happy. Or most of us. You can't make everybody happy, but, you know, they can try. So the system, the endgame system, is designed or is intended to provide more depth and replayability than what Paragon currently offers in Diablo 3. And I think that's great because once you hit Paragon, you are not leveling your character to 70. There's a lot of people that play video games and they just really like leveling characters. And when they get to that end point of you cannot level this character any higher, they start to get bored. Or they start to make a new character to level up and go through the same content with that character. Kind of. I'm thinking World of Warcraft a little bit. I've seen and heard people that just sort of level up a character and then pick a different class and level them up and this sort of thing. And I could see where that would happen with Diablo 3. You get tired of playing, you know, you've gotten to 70 on your character, so you want to do a new one with a different build or something and that kind of thing and you know then there's just paragon and you can paragon to whatever the upward point of that is but at some point it's going to feel repetitive even for those of us that like grinding for gear and loot and gold and stuff like that so i'm really happy that they're trying to find a way to make d4 have a lot more replayability than d3 has. Like D3, you know, if you're off season, you can go through the story mode, as I call it. But if you've already done that a number of times, maybe you're not as interested anymore. It doesn't change significantly depending on what class you're using. There's going to be some NPCs that say something slightly different to your character if you're playing a wizard, or if you're playing a witch doctor, if you're playing a crusader, whatever. And your character, of course, is going to have a slightly different response or slightly differently worded questions to the NPCs, but it doesn't change that much. So at some point, it kind of feels like you're doing things over and over, which isn't necessarily terrible, but if you've been playing this since 
gosh, did it come out in 2012? I think the beta was 2011, maybe? 2012 was when it came out? When Diablo came out before Reaper of Souls? If you've been doing it that long, you kind of know a lot about how the game goes and you know what you want to do. And I'm not sure at this point it's that replayable for people who have been here the whole time. If you're new, it's all new to you, so that works. But yeah, that sounds like D4 is going to be something intentionally designed to give you more replayability so that you won't just be like, okay, I hit the end game, I'm all done, guess I gotta find another game to play. You know, you're gonna want to do other classes or other builds. So that's cool. I like that they're thinking ahead on that. I'd like to hear more about it eventually when they release it, when they put that out somewhere for all of us to read and think about and see what we want. You know, if we like the idea, if we don't. And eventually we'll get to like try to play it in maybe a PTR type thing or maybe a beta or something. But right now that's pretty much where they're at. They do want feedback from the community and they're always, they said they're always reading through comments on forums, Reddit, social media, and more for players' feedback. And again, they're going to remind everyone, as always, remember that none of this is final as the game is still actively in development. They do want your constructive discussions. I like that they put it constructive discussions. They don't want anybody to like, you know, give them a comment like this sucks, you know, <laughs> and not tell them what sucks so they can't fix it if they don't know what it is. They want more of a detailed, nuanced kind of critique. It's kind of like if you were doing a book review or a movie review or talking about a piece of art and what you like and what you don't, you have to be more detailed and nuanced and really express, here is why I like this thing, or here is what I think can be improved. Now, my background, I'm, I'm an education major. I have an education degree specializing in art education. So for me, I immediately think that way. I think that mode of how to critique something so that things can improve. But if you're new to that, maybe it's time to start shifting your way of critiquing to something that will make the game better for all of us. And that's pretty much it for the Diablo 4 quarterly update. It's it's kind of pretty. It's got a lot of really cool pictures and that skill tree is definitely something to look at. It's really nicely done. I love the aesthetic of it. They could make a poster of that and I think people would buy it and hang it on their wall. It's kind of cool. Even though it's just for one class, it's still really neat to kind of look at and kind of think about how it's all going to fit and what it will do and what you want to do with it if you're playing that class or another class. What will their tree look like? And I like things that make you wonder and make you look forward to playing the game. And that's, I think, what Diablo 4 should be. It should be something we're all excited about by the time it comes out. And again, there should be a link to this in the show notes on ShatteredSoulStone.com for this episode. When you get there, you can find it that way. I'm sure there's plenty of other ways to find it. People have been posting it on Twitter and things like that. So you'll find it if you want to find it. If you're not interested, well, I gave you the key points. If you're not someone who likes to read stuff, maybe that'll be enough for you. There's another little thing here from Adam Fletcher, who is a community development lead for Diablo, StarCraft, Blizz Heroes and is at uh, Blizzard Entertainment. And let's see, when was this posted? September 24th, I think? This relates to Twitch. Here's what Adam Fletcher wrote. He wrote on Twitter, Just a heads up, Diablo 3 streamers. 
Reaper of Souls no longer is a category on Twitch. It has now all been consolidated under the Diablo 3 category. So if you're looking to watch somebody play Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls, you should now look for Diablo 3 because they're all kind of squished into the one category. And he also continues with another tweet that says, this also applies to Diablo 2. Lord of Destruction is no longer a category on Twitch. That's all now under Diablo 2. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know why Twitch made that decision. I don't know the behind the scenes of how that works, but it's a good way to kind of differentiate between which Diablo game you want to watch someone play or maybe you want to stream and how you should categorize it when you're streaming and figuring out where the video should end up, that sort of thing. So you'll have, uh, on Twitch you can choose the Diablo 2 category or the Diablo 3 category and things connected to it will just be in there somewhere. Might be easier. And the last thing I'm just going to mention, I'm not going to talk about it a lot and I'll explain that. Someone named Scott Hernandez posted on September 23rd on Medium. This piece does not seem to be behind a paywall, so you can probably read it if you want. Looks like he's been working on uh, Diablo inventory UI fan design. This is part two. I'm sure there's a way to find part one on Medium as well. And he's got some screenshots and it's a fan project. This is not something Blizzard is doing. This is not something that's going to be specifically connected right to Diablo 4 or Diablo 3, but it's interesting. And I know Dreadscythe used to do these highly detailed things talking about what could be improved in Diablo 3 or what might... I don't know if he did Diablo 4. I'm certain he did Diablo 3. And that was so impressive how much detail that he had in those. I think it was called Development Hell. And we had him on Soulstone at least once talking about it a while back for one of those. This reminds me of that a bit, in the sense that it's got like little layouts that are done and details about what worked that this guy was trying to do. This, uh, I'll say his name again if I can find it here. Scott Hernandez um, did all this stuff, and I think he's continuing to work on it from the looks of the Medium post. So I'm going to leave you to look at that if you're interested. There's a lot of cool screenshots of stuff he's put together. There's some descriptions and reasons why he did different things. And it's just, it's another one of these kind of like passion projects. Like you're doing this because you care. You're doing this because you want to see other possibilities in what the Diablo games can be and what could change. Some of this, it looks like it is specifically Diablo 4 inventory that he's doing in this particular one. I don't know what came before it. And he's used the Unreal Engine 4 to do it. So this is stuff he thinks might be good in Diablo 4. And he's got some photos and stuff. He doesn't have the skill tree because I don't know how he could possibly have known about that. But he's got all these different changes and layouts and, and stuff like that. So if you just want to see more, if you just want to see like somebody else's idea of how Diablo 4 could be, and like dream about that and have it get your thoughts working on what you might want to see in Diablo 4. It's something to check out. And I'm always really impressed with people that can put all of that together in a way that I sure can't. So I try to highlight it here when I can. And I think that is everything I came in here to talk about today. 
So I hope you enjoyed the show. I know I was talking a lot in this one. This show's a bit longer than previous ones, so I'm just going to get into closing the show here. You have been listening to episode 277 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. With your support, you can help the show grow. Become a patron today. Patreon.com slash Soulstone. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You could also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as on the Shattered Soulstone website. This show is powered by you, the listener. Send in your contributions, thoughts, questions, and feedback to show at shatteredsoulstone.com. We love Twitter. Come and join us and tweet with us. You can find the show Twitter at Shattered Stone. And Shazam, previous host of the show, just, I feel like he just did a show a little while ago. Uh, His Twitter is at Shazam081. We would like to extend a huge thank you to Medros of Dawnforge Productions for hosting our Loot Deviant show. You can find more shows from the Dawnforge at www.thedawnforge.com. Thank you for listening. Until then, from all of us here at Shattered Soulstone, me who you can hear now, and everyone behind the scenes that makes this go, over 276 episodes for your listening pleasure. Dawnforge! Woo! This podcast is part of the Dawnforge Network. Copyright 2020.